0: The following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Good morning. Good morning. <clears throat> Excuse me. I just want to begin with a disclaimer. Um, sometimes um i don't have good days uh with my brain um, and last week i had a bad day all week long and i uh, forgot that nate was preaching i did my best to write a sermon for last sunday and friday uh, miss aaron said i can't wait to hear nate preach sunday i said wow this sunday at crossroads okay so uh so i say that because not only did i write this sermon a week ago i wrote it in the middle of a really bad week so and i didn't look at it this week at all to see if it was okay so we trust the lord uh with how this is going to go 1st corinthians chapter 3 verse 5 through 9 says what then is apollos Hmm. Well, we're returning to the Gospel of Mark this morning, and we're going to look at a chapter four, verses twenty-six through thirty-four, and that's a page eight, three nine in the pew Bibles. And we're going to look at the, another um, few parables of Jesus—two parables, uh, to be precise—and they both have to do with seeds and their growth. Mark chapter 4, verse 26, page 839. And Jesus said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows, he knows not how. The earth produces by itself: first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when a grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And he said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which, when sown on the ground, is the smallest seeds of all the earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants, and puts out large branches, so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade." With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. But he did, not, he did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for our time we are able to be here together this morning. We thank you for this wonderful family. And we thank you for your Holy Spirit and for your word. We pray that your Holy Spirit would interpret your word for us this morning. That we would receive the message that you intend for us. That our hearts would be soft and not hard. We would receive the message and put it to use, put it to work in our lives. So that we could grow and be more like you. We love you and thank you and in Jesus' name. Amen. Um. So I spent a good deal of time listening to the trial in the United States Senate on the impeachment of the president. I probably spend a lot more time than I should have. Um, it's difficult to ignore. Uh, you have to admit it is, and maybe it should be that way. In either way. Both sides, as they were arguing their case over and over, used words like our republic, our democracy, our system of government, our president, and even a king or monarch. While I think that uh, it's important to have a handle on our history as a country as well as how our government works, uh, dipping my toes into that pool uh, made me very glad of one thing, at least one. As Christians, as followers of the Lord Jesus, though uh, we have been blessed to live in this country and all the freedoms that have been guaranteed us by our Constitution, the one thing I am very glad of is that I am a citizen of a different kingdom. God's kingdom. That's the one that counts. It is that kingdom that Jesus turned his attention today uh, in the two parables that we're going, that we have read and going to examine more closely. And I want to start out our examination this morning with a warning, or at least a, a caution. And that is that we must not let our tendency towards self-centeredness to force us to try and interpret this text and apply its principles to ourselves as individuals. Because that's not what Jesus is talking about. And let me explain what I mean. Both of these parables begin with the same reference, not to individual believers, not to singular disciples, but to the kingdom of God. And this is very important to notice in getting to what Jesus was teaching, and it helps to make sense of how the kingdom of God works. I find, even in discussions in our own family, that when it's time to understand how to do something and you have instructions on how to do it, Reading the instructions really helps. I, I know it's not a very manly thing for me to say, but I like to read instructions. <clears throat> and a lot of trouble could be saved if you just read. It's hard, but it's worth the work. So let's look at these two parables one at a time, being careful to read. Verse 1 to 6, And he said, Now, I don't know about your particular copy of the Bible here, but in mine, the heading reads, The Parable of the Seed Growing. But that's not accurate. It should say, Look Out, Control Freaks. That's what it should say. <laughs> now, if you remember, in the parable of the soils we looked at a few weeks ago, we examined the sower And the, and the seeds and the soils, um, the seed, the soils that the seeds fell in as the sower sowed. (laughs) The sower, who is that any person who faithfully proclaimed the gospel, and the seed being the gospel itself, and the soils represented the different condition of the heart, uh, the hearts of the people that heard the message. Now I would point out Um, I hope you remember that sermon it's a really important text Um, but I want to point out um, because it's been on my mind those soils do not necessarily represent a permanent state of a person's heart okay what might be considered the path or rocky soil could be turned up and cultivated The thorns could be pulled up and the weeds pulled out. And likewise, the good soil could become beaten down and overgrown and hardened. All of those conditions can be temporary. They're not permanent. We pray that the good soil would remain good, but we know that's not always the case. But here in this parable, we have a sower that sows on the ground that we can assume is good soil, because it eventually does bring a harvest. Now, this is where we run into trouble, I think. This parable has often been interpreted regarding individual Christians, individual disciples. Somebody sows the seeds of the gospel in their hearts, but they don't know how it grows in them, but the sower just has to be patient and trust God with the result of their work. This has been used as a word to parents uh, waiting for their wayward children to come home, come back to the Lord. Uh, Maybe people with unbelieving spouses waiting for the seed of the gospel to sprout in their spouse's heart. It's often given to pastors, just preach the word and don't worry about it. God will take care of it. This is the language we use all the time, but it's because we confuse the parable with the parable of the soils. They're not the same one. The seed is not the same thing. The soil is not the same thing. The sower is not the same thing. It's different. The, the, the ideas may be generally true, but Jesus isn't talking about individuals here in this text, in this parable. In fact, he isn't talking specifically about the gospel. He's talking about the kingdom of God. Do you know how I know that? Because it says it right there in the, if you read it. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself. First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe at once, he puts in a sickle because the harvest has come. So I think when we think about this in terms of the kingdom of God, I think it clears some things up for us. The first thing it clears up is who the man, who is the man who uh, plants a seed. Who is that? He isn't just someone or anyone who faithfully proclaims the gospel, like in the parable of the soils. The sower is not the same. In this parable, who is the man that sows the seed? Well, I'm glad I'm here to explain it to you. The man, you don't remember your Sunday school answers, Jesus. That's the first answer, and that's the correct one. In this parable, the man who plants the seed is Jesus. And what is the seed? It's Jesus again. (laughs) Moses, Jerusalem. All right. Unlike the parable of the sower and the soils, the seed is not the gospel. The seed is the kingdom of God. The sower, Jesus, does not sit up all night long staring out the window, staring at the field, fretting and worrying about whether or not the seed will grow. This is why control freaks should not be farmers. Because hurry up, i got to make sure it's grow. he sleeps and rises every day because it is God who makes the seed sprout and grow first the blade then the ear then a full grain so what does it mean when a grain is ripe when a grain is ripe and it puts in the sickle this will represent Jesus second coming when he will put in the sickle and harvest all the souls who trust in him the church is God's field. The kingdom of God, that's the church. The harvest is all believers over the course of time and that at his return will, will he will gather to himself so that we will be with him in his eternal kingdom. This parable is not about the growth of individual believers, it's about the growth of the church. The growth of the church is an absolute mystery to the world. You know, people that don't think what you're doing right now makes any sense at all. There are plenty of people in this world that think what we're doing at this moment is dumb. They don't, they don't understand why on earth the church exists and why it continues to exist. Two thousand years, come on, a dusty old book and a dead guy, and you'll keep doing this is foolish. But yet, the church continues to grow. It's a mystery to the world. And that's okay. This mysterious, often funny-looking plant that's growing is being grown by God. And it will grow until he says it's time for harvest. And then we will be together in God's eternal kingdom forever with him. Generally speaking, you say amen to that. (laughs) We need to work on that part. (laughs) This parable is about the growth of the church. That's the kingdom of God. And Jesus' second parable, similarly, is not about individual disciples, but about the kingdom of God also. Do you want to know how I know it? Because it says so right here. Verse 30. And Jesus said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It's like a grain of mustard seed which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. Now, I think we need to talk about this a little bit. Anybody ever seen a mustard seed? Is it the smallest seed on all earth? It's not. Nope. You know what it is? Well, guess you don't have to pretend that you know. It's a mustard seed pretty small. Orchid seed is smallest. The kind of orchid. Doesn't matter. Really? Trivia question. The mustard seed is not the smallest of every seed ever, nor does it grow up to be the biggest plant ever. It was, however, the smallest seed that was produced in that region of the world. Now remember that a crowd of Jesus uh, speaking to didn't Google it right there on their phone, say, is mustard seed really small? It was the smallest seed? Hey, Siri, what's the smallest seed? They didn't do that. It, it was the smallest seed that was produced in that region of the world, and the plant itself grew to a bush 10 or 12 feet high, much bigger than any other cultivated crop that wasn't considered a tree. Mustard does not grow into a tree. I always picture this a little tiny seed grow up into what is in my mind um, a big uh, tree. Okay. What's the one they, the little tiny ones that? Bonsai. That's what I think of. Big, great big bonsai tree only has yellow flowers because mustard is clearly yellow. Right? <laughs> no. These mustards are the seeds are black, actually. It's a black mustard that he's talking about. Anyway, irrelevant information. Jesus uses uh, used the comparison of faith to a mustard seed elsewhere in the Gospels, but I don't think that it's safe to say that every single time Jesus compared two things that he intended the same thing. Every time he talks about mustard, uh, it must be about faith, right? Every time... Um, Uh, or because he compared the birds to Satan in the parable of the sower, that every time he talks about birds, he means Satan. That's That's not a safe assumption. All that to say that this mustard seed in this parable does not represent faith, and the birds that make nests in its shade do not represent Satan, so that somehow the kingdom of God has room for Satan in it too. Or that it's made so that Satan has a cool place to hang out, in the shade. No, that it's not. I say that you probably never thought those things before. But this, some of the stuff I read preparing, uh, different commentators saying, "Well, see how the branches are so big. Satan has a place to hang out. It's safe for him." I don't read that book anymore. That's just foolish. So what is Jesus really talking about? He's not talking about our faith growing so big there's room for Satan to hang out. He's not uh, talking about that at all. But what is he talking about? Not the individual believers, but who? The kingdom of God, or the church. Jesus talking about the humble beginnings and the magnificent future of the kingdom of God. Another good commentator wrote in a Bible knowledge commentary, This parable contrasts the insignificant, even enigmatic beginning of God's kingdom embodied in the presence of Jesus with the greatness of the end result to be established at his second coming, second advent, when it will surpass all the earth's kingdom in power and glory. Now, it's important for us to remember Jesus' original audience, the Jews of that time in that region, they're looking for a Messiah but they're looking for a different kind of Messiah than a Jesus was, is. They're looking for a military Messiah, a general to come and make the army rise up to fight the enemies of Israel and reclaim their land from Rome. They expected the power and great glory to be at the beginning of the kingdom, not at the end. That's not how God has designed His kingdom to be. The seed of the kingdom of God was planted right after the fall of man in a different garden, the Garden of Eden in Genesis 3 when God promised to send the one who would crush the head of the serpent and it has been growing ever since. It's made up of all those faithful saints who look forward to the coming of the true Messiah that we can read about in the Old Testament. The one humbly born in a stable in Bethlehem. The truth of the matter is that God's kingdom is an upside-down kingdom. The definitions of success and power in this world are the opposite of the definitions of success and power in God's kingdom. What began humbly, what began as small, growing mysteriously in the dark, has already become larger than all the garden plants so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. Through faith in Jesus, we are part of something magnificent. It not make sense to the world. It grows mysteriously in the dark as far as they're concerned. And sometimes I think we take it for granted that um, this is just something that we do and so we, or some friends that we have. But we are part of something much bigger than that. We are part of something much bigger than what's just right in front of our face. We are part of a heritage since the beginning of the world, the creation of the world. And as part of this wonderful thing, this world that we're living in, where the kingdom of God is growing now, is not our home. This is not... Um, the end for us we are citizens of a better country and we serve a greater king unlike other kingdoms where it's hard to get in anyone can enter god's kingdom through faith in jesus christ when we admit that we have sinned and accept jesus death on the cross as a sacrifice for our sin and trust in the risen Savior to direct our lives, we're transferred from the failing and fallen kingdom of earth, the kingdom of man, to the powerful and glorious, magnificent kingdom of God. I don't think we should forget that. What we are a part of is not just a political party it's not even close to that. There's nothing to do with that. What we are a part of is greater than the systems of this world. They're greater than, than our, our family connections or wh- however we vote or whatever, where, wherever we live. We're part of something greater. And when we embrace that we are part of something greater that belongs to the Lord God and Jesus is our king, It starts to affect the way that we think. It starts to affect the decisions that we make. It starts to become a lens in which we see the world. We see things different because we know that there's more going on than just what's on the surface. Vote this way, vote that way. There's more going on. And when things don't come out the way that we think they ought to, we can trust that the Lord is in charge. And there is something better going on that we might not ever understand. The kingdom of God is an upside down kingdom, but the door is open for all who would believe. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. And we thank you that by faith in Jesus, we are involved in something greater than what we see with our eyes. Father, I pray that we would live uh, with the, your harvest in view. That we would be looking forward to the day that your kingdom is established here on earth. That Christ would come back and the world would be made new. We know that your patience means salvation for so many. So, Lord, help us be diligent in sowing the seeds of the gospel sharing your love with our friends and family that more people would gain entrance to your kingdom father help us to be about that work as we patiently wait for the harvest day to come we thank you for the reminder that we are part of something greater than the kingdoms of the earth the kingdoms of this world and all the power and glory this world has to offer pales in comparison to your power and glory and your magnificent kingdom Thank you for making a part of it, making us part of it. And I pray, Lord, if there's anyone here this morning who has not stepped through that gate, the narrow gate that leads to your kingdom through faith in Jesus, I pray that even now in these moments they would accept your sacrifice on the cross for them and they would put their trust in you. Help us to share that message with everyone around us, Lord. Help us to live it. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand for our final two songs this morning. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, post office box five seven six West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.